In the early days of the pandemic, many of us spent a good bit of time thinking about, dreaming about, and hoping for a quick return to normal. We longed for the days when everything made sense, when everything didn't seem so perilous, when poverty and job loss and food insecurity hadn't crept so closely to so many families. When people didn't die without loved ones in their hospital rooms. When we could all go to church with our friends and sing our hearts out without a care. See, when tragedy on a scale like we're experiencing unfolds, many of us, myself included, usually have enough resources to keep the worst of it at bay. To perhaps be unnerved by it, but also largely untouched by it. While it's upsetting, it's pretty much vicarious. But during the pandemic, this unsettling uncertainty and tragic suffering have come closer to many of us than it ever has, sometimes to our very doorsteps. And we feel this hardship and this struggle in a way we never have. And so, understandably, we just want things to be normal again. But as the weeks and the months have ticked by and as we've settled in and tried to adapt to a world where COVID-19 is another deadly and dangerous part of living on earth, and especially as suggestions of a second stay-at-home order loom in our state, you might have found another question creeping in the back of your mind, one that you scarcely dare to whisper aloud. Not when will it be normal again, but what if normal as we knew it isn't coming back, or at least not for a lot longer than we initially thought? And for me, that question has led to an even bigger question, maybe a more philosophical question, one that asks me to reimagine how I think about our world entirely. What if my normal wasn't actually normal to begin with? It's a question that's been on my mind particularly this week as I've reflected on our curious gospel passage for today because, well, because frankly, none of what Jesus tells his disciples to expect as normal when he sends them out into the world is anywhere near the realm of normal to me. Think about it for a minute. Does Jesus' description of the life of a disciple strike you as how we typically think of everyday life as followers of Christ? When we pattern ourselves off our Lord, how often do we envision ourselves being like doves and snakes or helpless lambs in the midst of ravenous wolves? Jesus then goes on to tell them, because they will proclaim God's kingdom of mercy and justice, they will be dragged before councils and kings and governors. They'll be arrested and beaten and tortured. Families will fracture and not just break apart, but turn to violence. Child will rise up against parent and have them executed, it says. 
They will have to flee towns to avoid persecution all because of Jesus. This passage gets really dark really quickly. Does any of that strike you as normal? Of course not. I hope not. It's not even attractive. When presented with this mission, most of us, probably myself included, would probably say thanks, but no thanks. Because not only is this awful, horrifying stuff going to happen to the disciples, Jesus tells them they can't take anything with them. No extra clothes, no food, no money, nothing. They have to be completely dependent on the generosity of others in the midst of perhaps the most brutal situation they would ever face. I mean, if Jesus is trying to sell the disciples on this mission or even encourage them to do it, he seems to have an odd way of going about it because none of it is normal to most of us. But maybe for some people it is. I wonder how this passage sounds to those for whom even today this kind of horrifying, brutal oppression aren't far-off fictions, but everyday realities. For someone who has experienced abuse, who has had to flee persecution to find safe harbor, who has been beaten and arrested or tortured for speaking the truth, for standing up for what they believe, or simply for who they are, whether it's their religion, their nationality, or the color of their skin. Perhaps what's surprising for people in those situations isn't the depth of cruelty and oppression that humans are capable of, but that Jesus and his disciples expected it and experienced it too. That they knew firsthand what it's like when normal is scary and deadly and terrifying. What a comfort to know that no matter how bad things get, Jesus has been there too and knows exactly what it's like. Jesus has suffered and endured hardship. So we know that suffering and hardship doesn't mean that people have gotten things wrong or they've angered God or that they should give up or that God has given up on them. It means that God is with them. Sometimes I think that we lose track of that truth, that when we read Holy Scripture, all the way back to Genesis, we are largely reading the sacred literature and texts of an oppressed people, of an exiled people who are crying out to God for justice, for mercy, and for hope, who are trying to make sense of their world. In other words, Scripture was written by people whose normal was very, very different from mine. And not just because they lived in the ancient world without indoor plumbing and electricity. It can be so disorienting to consider that perhaps what I consider normal, maybe even much of the normal I long for, to most of the world, and maybe to Jesus, isn't normal at all. My friend Aaron, an Anglican priest in Canada, had an experience of this recently. At the very beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, she, like many, like me, was feeling disoriented and 
overwhelmed. Everything seemed so abnormal. And as folks like to say, unprecedented. The possible failure of our healthcare infrastructure, economic collapse and uncertainty, fear of death in the streets, or just not knowing when we would see our loved ones in person again. But Erin also happens to be involved with the Syrian refugee community where she lives. And she realized in speaking with them that many of these circumstances weren't unprecedented. To them, this new normal reminded them a whole lot of their old normal. They knew what it was like to be separated from family, not knowing when they would see them again. They knew what it was like to fear going to their place of worship. They knew what it was like to not know where they would find food next. They knew what it was like to face disease or illness and not have access to the medicines and cures so readily available to many of us. And so she turned to them for wisdom and a steadying hand in the midst of those first few weeks of the pandemic. And she told me how reassuring it was to listen and to learn from someone who had been through such a similar profound hardship and survived. It didn't take away the pandemic, but it helped show her a way through. Because they had a measure of resilience based on their hardship that was a resource for them And now for her. As an example, Erin shared with me how she told them it was very difficult to go through those big celebrations of the faith without being to gather in our communities. But one of her friends explained that once her family had to shelter in place at home for 10 full days, right in the middle of the grand Muslim holiday of Eid, Because there was war and shooting in front of their house and out in the streets. She said that this is hard, of course, but by comparison, this isolation wasn't nearly as difficult. As I found myself thinking more and more about my friend Erin and with her sitting with her Syrian friends and learning from them, I started to wonder, what more? might we have to learn from those around us who experience as normal things that would horrify us, that would enrage us, that would make us weep. Right now, I I wonder if we have that very chance as as many of us have recently begun to recognize or, or be awakened to what our black siblings in this country experience on a daily basis. Because it has angered us. It has horrified us. It has made us weep. And in this moment when nothing seems normal to us anymore, and perhaps tragedy and hardship has come closer to us than it ever has, perhaps there's an opening. Perhaps there's an opening in our communities and in our hearts to reimagine what kind of world we want to come back to, and to really assess how the kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. 
And it's a fraught moment, to be honest, because it's so easy to turn towards pity or paternalism, which probably does more harm than good. But maybe that first step on the journey is exactly that step my friend Aaron took. And simply sit and listen to the wisdom and the experience of those whose normal is so very different from our own whose normal has been and continues to be oppression or marginalization or exile and hardship, whose normal resembles the normal of our scriptures. We might be surprised how much their experiences resembles this gospel passage when Jesus sends the disciples out into the world to proclaim the kingdom of God. Who knows? As we open ourselves, as we open our eyes and turn our hearts more deeply to our communities and to our neighbors, particularly those who have been silenced or marginalized, perhaps normal won't seem quite so attractive anymore. In fact, we might not want things to return to this kind of normal ever again. Amen.